Hi, I'm Nat. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Compass Mentis. Lawyers talking about well-being in law. Brought to you by Bottled Snail. This is episode 16, Lawyer and Success. So today we are talking about success. Jen, when I say success, what do you think of? So it's a really interesting question and it's taken a lot of reflection on the topic um, for me, I guess, over the course of my career to get to this. But I used to think that professional success as a lawyer was really me achieving the next career milestone thing that I had identified. I think from, you know, externally, probably even since starting at law school, I just saw this very clear career ladder that I should be climbing within certain timing. So I just felt after two years, I should be at this level. After three years, I should be at this level, etc., etc. And that to me was success. It was resume building. Um, it was networking and it was feeling like I was where I should be in my career at certain points in time. So was that externally motivated or internally motivated? I think it was a bit of both, but maybe mostly external but then being internalized by me. So I think I got very confused and felt that it was internally driven, but perhaps not realizing that um, I had kind of maybe adopted a lot of thinking that I hadn't personally reflected on. What about for you, Nat? I think I'm now at a point where I can say that my definition of success for myself is based on mostly things that I know for myself to enjoy. But I guess it's sort of still in the idea of it's a narrative, it's got future goals, it's sort of seeing yourself in a slightly different place to where you are now based on certain achievements um, and I guess certain criteria. So I don't think that I'm fully um, um, sort of, I haven't fully adapted yet to um, the definition of success that I would like to have, which is more along the lines of um, looking at your success story as a legacy rather than just kind of a CV with certain checkboxes. Yeah, so I really like that dichotomy. And look, I definitely think that fulfilling your career ambitions and kind of maybe um, the status or goals that you might be seeking are important and they're not to be discounted or seen as something that is negative for your well-being. But I think it's realising that it's the journey and enjoying the journey of how you're getting there and not always striving for that next thing without reflecting on whether it is something that will make you feel fulfilled and um, it aligns with your values, which is something that we've discussed previously. But just on this CV versus legacy sense of success, um, what do you understand that to mean? So I first sort of was introduced to this idea by the podcast Let It Be, and they had the idea of, um, as, a, as sort of a writing exercise really, to write your own eulogy. Sounds slightly depressing, um, but it's interesting. I think thinking about things from that perspective, it's not sort of what do you want to do next, but what do you want to reflect on sort of at the end of your career or um the end of a particular experience to say that you got from something or that you gave to something. And looking at um, your life goals as kind of a legacy is a really different experience to just kind of thinking, what's the next thing that I need to do right now? Um, and the other thing with a legacy, which I think is a good um, 
sort of perspective is that it's not necessarily a linear type of journey. It's more, maybe more like a map where you can kind of look at your whole life where there were different focuses at different times, but it's not kind of a path or a straightforward narrative. It doesn't have kind of a beginning, a middle, middle and an end. It's can, you can be doing multiple things at multiple times. Um, achievements can be all sorts of different shapes and sizes. It's not just a ladder or it doesn't have that kind of up and down feel to it, which I really like. Yeah, and I think this idea of a legacy and I suppose the, the eulogy, if we can make it a little less dark and a little bit less about how will people remember me, but more when I look back and reflect on my life, what do I want to remember my life as mm. and what do I want to have achieved and um, felt and experienced along the way. Mm. And I think one of the things in it for me that's really hard is it's just really, really difficult to work out what you yourself want. And often um, you can kind of, I don't know, as a sort of teenager, as a child, you start to maybe answer that question based on your parents or based on your friend's view. And then as you get a bit older, it might be friends, it might be family again, or it might be your partner's view, where you sort of have this idea that, I've got to do this because I need to do it for someone else or maybe even your children. Um, and that unfortunately doesn't lead to the right place because it's kind of you're answering the question for someone else. First of all, you've probably got no idea what that person really wants. Second of all, it's your own life and you've got to lead it as the lead character, not a support actor. And as we said before, there are no dress rehearsals. So it's really, really hard, I guess, to say, what is it that I genuinely want out of this? And sometimes it can bring up some really tough, answers um we've spoken a bit before about choices but it might be that even just asking that question is scary because you might not really want to know what the answer is one of the things you've touched on is thinking about your priorities and what is important to you in life and then perhaps how long are you spending on that and how are you feeling when you're spending on that because i think the ultimate idea behind this successful legacy life um, model is thriving not just surviving. Mm. So it's how do I live a joyful and fulfilling life, not only in my work as a lawyer, um, but also in my life more broadly. And what other things and experiences and maybe passions do I need to bring in to complete the picture for me? And as we've again spoken about before, it's not as though you're sort of two people, you're the person at home and the person in the office, you are the one person. And I guess you want to have compatible goals. You can be getting different um, aspects of enjoyment from different parts of your life, which is so important. It also might be that you doing what you're doing now is perfectly right for you and you can be completely accepting of that as a form of success. I think, as you mentioned um, at the start of this podcast, because I guess there's sort of a process to get into law school and then kind of a process to get through it and then there's um, in some aspects of the profession there's quite a lockstep sort of linear um, upwards progression it sort of feels like well I'm always going to be doing the next thing so you know um, when I finally graduated then I'll be a success and then it's sort of well once I've um, become admitted I'll be the success and then it's once I'm at the next level in my workplace I'll be a success once I'm a partner I'll be a success and once I'm a barrister I'll be a success and I think a lot of people in the profession are living by that model that it's sort of wait till I get to the next thing, you know, once I get into my master's, when I'm when I'm doing the master's, that's when I'll be truly happy. And then as soon as you're in the master's, you're sort of having to think about the next step and not really enjoying much in the moment. And it's so easy to be caught up um, and to be sort of hyper vigilant to opportunities and to be always looking for the next thing and feeling that the grass is greener. 
but if we spend a little bit more energy on just accepting who we are and where we're at in the moment I think we would just be so much better off although it's so hard to do that reflecting on a funny example from my own experience I just had this idea in my head um, when I was younger in my profession that the moment I got to fly for work <laughs> the moment that someone wanted to pay for me as a lawyer to be somewhere else you to would carry have made out it. yeah this is my profession I would be a successful lawyer um, which is bizarre and I have no idea where it came from, probably TV. Um, <laughs> but that experience happened for me when I was working as a judge's associate, which was a fantastic experience. Um, and we flew around to hear appeals in different places. But, you know, I was sitting on the plane one day and feeling particularly exhausted from all of the travel that we were doing. And that point just gave me a bit of a jolt and made me realise... <laughs> That was such a random measure of success that I had like attached my mm. um, self-worth as a professional to. Um, and it really doesn't mean anything. No. And I think um, I would sort of describe that as the success hangover. And I've had that before, which is basically, you know, I'm striving for this thing. I've a, And when I achieve that thing, I will be happy because I will be awesome. And then it's sort of like you get the thing and it can actually feel like a huge letdown. Um, even if you have this great moment, maybe there's a bit of a celebration, but you know, the next day life goes on, you're still the same person. You still have the same approaches to things just because you've achieved this kind of title or a step up. Um, and I think it's really, really dangerous to not be in that dichotomy of, you know, trying to get things and attaining things. And then, well, I've got to this step. So now I have to get to the next step. And sometimes it's just really important to enjoy where you're at and, in a lot of ways, that's where you can do some of your best work or make some of your best contributions. Absolutely. I think you've said it so well. And it's about finding that balance, which is really, really difficult between striving, um, but also thriving in the moment that you're in. So I suppose having enough self-awareness to live in the moment and be mindful of the experience that you're having and um, be really present and enjoy that and gain from it what you can. Obviously, there are always going to be challenging and stressful experiences as well. Um, but I suppose in those types of moments, remaining in those moments and seeing them as um, learning experiences, growing from your mistakes and whatnot, um, I suppose living, living to learn as kind of a mindset, but then still pursuing your goals, but perhaps not having unrealistic expectations, just taking the journey, enjoying the journey, um, until you reach that next place. Mm, and I think um, my sort of fear is that, well, if I'm not striving for something, maybe I'm being complacent. If I'm not going um, 100% for the next level, maybe that means I'm not doing a good enough job in the level that I'm at. And I think that sort of thinking reveals really a lack of self-confidence because it's not sort of just accepting that, well, doing what I can now as the person that I am is going to be good enough. It's always, no, you've got to go for the next thing and try to get one higher. And I mean, I think the law is um, very attractive for that kind of thinking because, you know, there is always another level. There's always somebody um, who you need to beat, whether it's in a particular case. I'm revealing my competitive side here, I guess. Um, There's always that appointment to the bench. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. There's never really kind of a point where you sort of say, like there might be in other professions, well, look, I'm just as high as I can go and I'm going to be happy with this. Or I'm not even, I'm just doing the job and I'm going to be happy with that. And I think um, we can all benefit from maybe taking a different perspective on that. 
but it might also be that you are at a level where um, with a little bit more of true self-confidence, you'd be able to push yourself to get a little further. And I think it's really, really hard to find that balance between kind of genuine confidence, complacency, and then just kind of unrelenting movement, I guess. Um, but it's interesting to sort of look back on what your legacy has been and think about, well, A, is that really what I want? Looking back on, um, you know, my last sort of, I guess, 12 years in the law, it's a long time to be working in a particular area if you include study, not just work, and to sort of think about how you can shape that, I guess, not just from the profession, but in your own life as well. And I think the difference between kind of healthy striving um, and not healthy is the question of what your motivations are and whether they are internal motivators or external motivators. Um, and sometimes it can be both, which is fine, but I think it's the question of whether you're reaching for the next thing um, because it's something that will be fulfilling for you personally or if it's something that you feel that other people will expect of you or respect you more, in which case you might be disappointed when you get there. Yeah, I think it's very easy to sort of have a feel of fear of failure in the position that you're in and that kind of need to like be where you are sort of, um, I guess, obsessively striving to something somewhat unnecessarily. It's often just because you sort of fear that if you don't do that, you're going to be a failure in somebody's eyes. But when we come back to sort of this, I guess, more values model that we've spoken about a number of times through this series, um, it's only in your own eyes that you can sort of measure yourself. And um, I keep coming back to that quote, see yourself through yourself. I think that's a really good one. You know, it might be that that next step is just not even necessary. That's a waste of your energy and time and taking you away from other things. Just going back to this idea now of the success hangover. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love that concept. I definitely think I've been um, <laughs> experienced that before. Mm. What does that mean? I think in some ways it goes partly to our inability to predict our own sort of future contentment and happiness so that when you get to that place, you don't really feel that. Um, but also maybe it's not really being in the moment and sort of accepting and enjoying that moment. I don't think really we celebrate that well as lawyers when things go well. Often celebrations might involve, you know, alcohol or kind of like a big team get together, but we don't actually really celebrate successes. Um, like I think for example, admission ceremonies are an amazing example of that. And like, I don't know anybody that didn't just think that that was one of the most amazing days of their lives. And also signing virals, very similar sort of experience, but they're quite rare in sort of um, our professional careers. And often it might be like you, you end a really big case and the books close on that. You spend a day tidying up your office mm -hmm. and then it's kind of on to the next thing. It's and really fleeting. It's yeah. very fleeting. And it doesn't really, f like the actual feeling that you have is not sort of one of like joy or contentment often. I do agree we could be so much better at, I guess, staying in that moment and really feeling that. And I just think it's such an interesting contrast to how much we, we probably, and certainly <laughs> speaking from personal experience, dwell on a negative situation or dwell on a mistake or a, a, a lost case. And isn't it somewhat of a tragedy that we're probably more affected um, emotionally and stay longer in the negative headspace mm. um, with a loss than the positive mm. headspace with a win or success? And I think the only thing for me personally that sort of balanced that, and I can honestly say I have a genuine enjoyment in the work that I do and really focusing on the actual enjoyment in the work rather than the actual outcome 
Um, and knowing that that is where I'm going to get the enjoyment for me personally, it's not really going to be what the sort of tally sheet at the end of the day is. Um, that's one thing that I have sort of realized and I can now actually take um, time to realize and enjoy um, rather than just sort of wishing that things would be ending so I can start the next thing. Some really good advice there, um, I think, Nat. And just to contrast where I've now kind of evolved to in my definition of success, um, I'm in a job that really is values aligned for me. I get to work um, and I feel like every day I'm, I'm able to make a meaningful contribution. And, you know, work can still be difficult and challenging, um, of course, but I am fueled by a greater sense of purpose. Um, and this wasn't maybe necessarily a clear upward step on um, a career ladder in the conventional sense. Mm. Um, it was probably a little bit of an unusual position for me to choose going into legal policy now, but it has just been really fulfilling. And I think that it is because of that values alignment. And it's made me think of a few other ways that we might be able to measure um, our success at work. So we've spoken about how it's quite hard to work these things out and it's obviously very personal, but what are the sorts of things that might look like success for different people when it comes to work? Yeah, so moving away from the career milestone model, um, as I've just touched on, I think a sense of purpose is really important. So having that thing that gets you out of bed and feeling um, that it's aligned to your values as a person. We've also spoken about authenticity a lot on the podcast, so I think being able to bring your authentic self to work and make connections with your colleagues and your clients and feel a sense of belonging and community um, in your work in the law is another really great measure. Being able to be yourself courageously, whether that is having a courageous conversation, you know, putting forward your views, of course, remaining professional while doing all of that. Um, but just being able to act authentically um, and communicate clearly and confidently based on your own values um, is a great one. It might be championing the careers of others, supporting junior lawyers who are working to you, um, giving them a bit of career guidance or advice or acting as a mentor to them is a really nice way, I think, to leave a legacy um, in your workplace um, and for others. And also you'll be benefiting from that service because I think that you can always learn something mm. from other people whether they are junior or senior to you and building that connection as well will just make your work more enjoyable and your workplace um, a better place to be uh, and then being able to bring a sense of focus and presence to your work so coming back to this idea of mindfulness but when you're in the office, really being able to be in the moment and as you said you're able to do that, just enjoy your work while you're doing the work and get in that flow and you know get excited about the legal problem and the cases that you're reading and that novel argument rather than feeling like you're dragging your feet to work and it's the last thing that you want to do and everything's so overwhelming and it's such an effort. Just being able to take that time, be present and mindful um, and have the energy to do it and to enjoy it, I think are all measures of success that are so much more meaningful than that next external milestone on the career ladder. So just coming at it from a different perspective, uh, more thinking about what success uh, in your personal life, your family life um, might be, because as we like to say on Compass Mentis, it's just one life that you have. <laughs> There's really no division between work um, and home and everything else you're doing. 
Um, now, what are some measures of success in um, your personal life that we might look at? Um, so I think from a family perspective, sort of being present and fully accepting and supporting of your loved ones and your family would be one for me. Another one would be contributing to, I guess, things outside work in your community or even to the profession, um, which is one of the things we like to say we do through the podcast. So that one's been met for me there. On a day-to-day basis, sort of, I guess, living a life where you feel present and you're accepting of your situation, um, but that you also sort of have time to navigate things in a mindful way. One of the things that I've observed is that um, in our personal lives, it's very easy to sort of curate a personal success story through social media now. Um, And those of us that are still on social media, life events and achievements and a certain lifestyle that's being presented by celebrities, but also by friends and people, colleagues that are close to us and that sort of thing. And I think it's just so important to realise that what you're looking at is just another form of media. It's not necessarily that person's success story. And maybe one day we'll go from talking about the sort of CV style success to the Facebook style success, where it's kind of a series of milestones that have been reached. So um, that might be one perspective on the type of success that I guess we wouldn't be advocating on the show. And I agree, yeah, just on that same point about resumes or about someone's LinkedIn profile. Mm. I think it's really easy to look at it and think, wow, that's a really successful person and then maybe feel a bit inadequate or compare yourself to their achievements. But it's so important to remember that, you know, that is not a reflection of their personal success No, it's just one dimension of part of their lives. That's right, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily reflect um, contentment or fulfilment in a more holistic way. So, Nat, you had a chat with Associate Justice Ira Diacono of the Victorian Supreme Court recently. Let's have a listen as to what she has to say on the topic of success. I'm here today with Associate Justice Mary Jane Ira Diacono. Before coming to the court, she was an experienced solicitor, litigator, mediator in the areas of workplace and discrimination in private practice. She's also made a vast pro bono contribution and has been a leader in the areas of diversity and well-being in the law. So, Judge, today we're talking about the topic of success. What does success mean to you? What does it mean to others? And what do you think it should mean for legal professionals? Mm. Thank you, Natalie. And may I say thank you for um, giving me the opportunity to speak on your podcast today. I'm really excited to be part of this wonderful initiative. Um, In terms of success, I think... Really, you have to paint your own canvas. For everybody, it's different. And I think that one thing that has always been important to me is to have a definition of success that is consistent with my own personal values. So I don't think when success is imposed externally, it's necessarily going to be something that leads to self-satisfaction. For instance, if someone were to have said to me um, as a young lawyer or even a law student, uh, success is um, making a million dollars a year, that is an extrinsic factor and it would not have sat well with me and could never have been part of a definition of success that would be conducive to my own well-being. So I think we need to paint our own canvas. 
we need to each define success ourselves. It's a very personal matter and I think it needs to come from within rather than without. And so one of the important things is not to compare ourselves to others. So um, recently, to take an example outside of the law, I was very lucky to be having a holiday um, in Japan and um, I was hiking up um, what I thought was a huge mountain um, and um, I was receiving um, very positive encouragement as I went along from the people who were coming back who'd already been up. Now, they were in their 60s, 70s, and I'm sure at least one person was in their 80s. For me, success was getting to that summit. Um, I wasn't comparing myself to those people who were older saying, hey, why am I so slow? You know, I went up at my own pace. I enjoyed the magnificent view when I got to the top. I had the satisfaction that I had push my body without being injured but it to a very um, pleasant state of um, it being able to enjoy every moment um, along that walk even when I was <laughs> sighing and felt like I was dying occasionally. <laughs> that sounds like it's such a good um, analogy I suppose to a career in law where um, I we've discussed it before on the podcast, but those intrinsic values are so important. And there are lots of sort of individual things that are different to different people. But some of the some of them, I think that are sort of consistent are things like becoming really competent at your work, um, giving back to the community through your legal work. And that's something you've had a lot of experience in, in the wider community and also the legal profession itself. What's your relationship with success been from sort of an intrinsic perspective? Talking about a career in the law, one of the things that success involves is doing meaningful work. And again, that's something that is going to be different for each person. I suspect for um, many of us, it does involve doing what we do excellently, that is to the best of our abilities. Um, however, in terms of how that looks, I think it's going to be different for everybody. For me personally, I always felt that for work to be meaningful, it had to have some sense of community service um, as well as um, the other things, pursuit of excellence and service of, of clients generally. But um, I had a moment where a penny dropped for me when I was at law school and I was studying immigration law and part of our assessment was to go out to a community legal centre and observe and I went out to... Uh, what was then called the Victorian Immigration Advice and Referral Centre. And I suddenly realised that um, my interests in the migrant community, um, I've grown up in the western suburbs of Melbourne and um, I'm a first, uh, my father was a first generation migrant and um, I'd always been very interested in the community dynamic around me. Um, and I suddenly realised that this interest in migration and wanting to do work in that area could actually be done in a legal context through a community legal centre. And so once I finished law school, um, I was fortunate to get a job um, in a very good firm. I was also fortunate that that firm was very supportive of me going each week off to the Victorian Immigration Advice and Referral Centre uh, and volunteering my time there. So I was able to have um, a 
career in parallel in the community sector and the firm also was very encouraging of uh, me being involved in its own pro bono program. That's such a great example of an opportunity where you could sort of connect to your own values through legal work, but also where the firm that you're at obviously allowed that to happen. Are there other things that you're aware of that um, firms are doing that can allow lawyers to connect to their values within their work? Yes, look, I think that um, the training up of managers um, is really important. So in days of old, uh, if you did your work very well as a lawyer and had a good client base, you'd become a partner and then you were somehow meant to absorb through the carpet management skills and leadership skills. And we know now that um, while some people perhaps could be called natural managers, most of us need training as managers. So we need training on how to develop people to be their best selves and how to be able to supervise their work, but in a manner which leads to their growth. So um, one of the things that um, springs to mind is a phrase, you know, you need to be a a talent creator rather than a talent hoarder. (laughs) So a part of being a good manager is also um, giving people the wings to fly when it's ready, and that might be into another area of practice. It might be a promotion or it might be to move um, beyond the firm. So... I think one of the firms that one of the things that firms can do is to invest in training of their partners and also their associates and people as they come up so that they know firms so that they know how to support one another. One of the most important things we can do in our profession is to support one another's well-being. I think that's so important. Another thing you've spoken about is the idea of sustainable lawyering, and I think that ties into a lot of what we've been discussing yes, in terms of yes. um, working within your own intrinsic values and not comparing yourself to others. Yes. Can you just give me a bit of a description? What, what's sort of your idea of sustainable lawyering? Yes. I really love that concept. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when I um, decided that I wanted to be involved in advocating for wellbeing on a profession-wide level and was running for council, that is Law Institute Council, this phrase of sustainable lawyering came to mind and by that I mean working in a manner that's conducive to well-being so that lawyers can have a long, healthy and rewarding career. Um, I think that's such a great definition and it's something I suppose that um, the profession is now working towards with some of the initiatives that you've been involved in, um, but particularly through the LIB. That's also something that the podcast is um, very interested in and excited about. You're now at a point where you've come very far in your career and you've had a lot of experience. Do you sort of see um, your own trajectory as having been quite sustainable or have there been points that have been sort of somewhat non-sustainable? How have you sort of kept things um, <laughs> Natalie, sustainable? I am, I am a work in progress, I mm. have to say. Um, there's been uh, times when it's all gone really well. I, From when I was a second-year solicitor, because of uh, a death in the family, I began working four days a week and that continued on, really. I maintained that. Um, the biggest challenge probably when starting my own practice, um, which was around the time when I was a 10th year lawyer and I did for about another 10 years before my appointment, 
my business partner and I were both working a four-day week and that went really well most of the times but every now and then you know things would fall <laughs> off the wagon I'm embarrassed to recall an all-nighter that I did I mean now I look back and think how silly was that it wasn't productive but somehow the adrenaline of having to finish this particular investigation <laughs> propelled me through and I remember going into office the next day you know no sleep saying I'm fine and then inevitably of course at about three o'clock the, <laughs> the crash, crash comes yeah <laughs> I mean there's yeah. times when it all falls off the wagon but you pick yourself up as Dusty Springfield says <laughs> dust yourself off and start all over again and that's sort of the resilience idea I suppose is that things are going to be difficult there's going to be all-nighters occasionally unfortunately <laughs> Um, but you know, the ability to get back into, um, whatever it is that you're doing and to go on is so important and so important to the idea of the sustainable lawyer. And to learn as you go, I've only done it that one time, the all nighter. And it, it was, I, I learned from that, that it's just a really silly thing yeah. to do <laughs> from a productivity, um, point of view and a wellbeing point of view, because it affects, um, you for, um, a while afterwards. And also it affects our families too. So they are our support network and uh, we need to invest in those relationships and make sure that they flourish. So one of the things, coming back to success, one of the things about being successful, I think, is that it's okay to fail sometimes. That's so true. It's not about perfection. We are all going to fail if there's not times when we're failing, perhaps we're not pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones. So it's about taking a calculated risk sometimes, not not a silly risk, but mm. a well thought out calculated risk at times. Um, for me, I remember not long after we started our practice, one of um, our clients said, oh, I want you to um, do a particular occupational health and safety matter. My experience in that area had been fairly narrow until that point. And he said, you can do it. And I thought about it. And I contacted uh, a friend at the bar who specialised in that area and a junior and she also put me in touch with the silk and I went back to him and I said look I would only be comfortable in doing it if I can work with those two people and the client said fabulous and from that really an occupational health and safety practice flourished now if I had have said no I'm, I'm not going to do it I've never worked in that area before that would have been silly equally it would have been silly to say yes I'm going to do it and not seek the expert advice that I obviously needed. So one has to always act in the client's best interests, of course, when one is in practice, um, consistently, though, with one's duties to the court, which are paramount. That's such a great example of, um, I suppose, a, a challenge that you were able to take on with the right sort of supports. And I think those supports as well do... Um, enable us to be more sustainable as lawyers so that you are feeling that you can put the necessary well obviously the duty to the client and to the court first but then also the necessary things in place for yourself as a safety net and it's having those networks as well one of the key pillars of well-being I think is having meaningful relationships and having those support systems in place in your personal life but also in your professional life one of the things that I always got a lot of 
satisfaction and support from was my relationship with others in the profession, both from the time I was at law school, so from those personal relationships, but equally with the associations that I was a member of, the Law Institute mm. of Victoria being one, but Victorian Women Lawyers um, is, is another um, organisation I've long been a member of. So being part of those professional associations is something which I think will help foster meaningful relationships. That's a really great example. And being um, remaining sort of connected and then supported through that is so important to lawyers' well-being. And I think it is something that generally the profession does really well. Yes. Although if there's anyone listening that doesn't feel that they're um, – or that feels that that's something that they could work on, associations are a great way to get involved. They really are. Don't isolate yourself. Um, you might think I'm too busy with work and I don't have time to invest in relationships or – be part of other organisations, but that uh, that's false economy of time, if I may say so. <laughs> um, being able to pick up the phone and run something by someone else um, will save you many hours mm. of time just looking at it from yeah, a time-saving perspective. So but the, it's very important not to isolate. Equally, we have a responsibility to reach down and yes. pull up those who are coming behind us. So we have a responsibility to mentor or advocate for those who are coming along behind us. Uh, mo most of us have um, received uh, assistance in the form of some type of um, mentoring, informal or formal, or some type of advocate for us. So we need to think of the people who are coming behind us and equally pass it on. Mm. That's the only thing I ask from the people that I mentor please pass it on when you have the opportunity to do so. So some really great insights from uh, the Associate Justice there. Just reflecting and wrapping up, I think it's so important for us to move away from that career milestone achievement um, model of success in the law, which is um, really easy to fall into and measure yourself by. Uh, we've talked about the idea of a legacy life instead. So being able to reflect back at the end of your life um, on your career and the joyful and fulfilling experiences that you've had um, at work and really giving yourself, I think, also permission to move away from the career milestone thinking. I think that a new paradigm like that that really recognises the value of other measures of success um, can only lead to a more sustainable um, professional life as well as a more meaningful one. And at the end of the day, it's your legacy and only yours, so it's your story to write. So that is a wrap for Season 2. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, especially those that came forward and shared their own stories of mental health and wellbeing in the law with Compass Ventus. We also have to thank our sponsor, Bottled Snail, and all of our guests, the Honourable Justice Shane Marshall, Carly Schreiber of the Judicial College of Victoria, Stephanie Lau, the Holiday Psychologist, Associate Justice Iridia Kuno of the Supreme Court of Victoria, and Sarah Holloway, Matcha Maiden. We'll be taking a bit of a break after Season 2 and hope to come back for Season 3 at some point next year. Just ending on a thought from Theodore Roosevelt. Comparison is the thief of joy. Thanks for listening. Stay compass mentors. <laughs>